Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name, of course, is Jason Thomas. Maybe it's not, of course. If you're for first time listening to this, I am Jason Thomas, and uh, we've been doing this podcast for what, three years, something like that, and uh, really enjoy it. I did not do one last week, as I said that I enjoy them. I got really sick last uh, last Sunday. And took me two or three days to kind of get with it. I, I did not go to work for a couple of days. And um, yeah, so I apologize to uh, listeners and sponsors alike for not recording one last week. But refresh me a little bit. Got me rejuvenated to do this one today. Um, so let's jump right into this thing. Before we do, let's thank the sponsors. Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, International Vet MX Series. Used to be Old Timer Motocross Series. Grant Stone Boots, TL Speed Shop, based in Arizona, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Fast Foundry, and Fly Racing. And I'll talk about those guys a little bit later, but thank you to them. And uh, yeah, my apologies again for missing one, missing a podcast in the season. I don't normally do that, but I don't get sick very often either. So, 250 class, we always start there. I don't want to say it's boring, because... Now that I'm working kind of in this uh, television industry thing, that's not great. Like you don't you don't want to say the racing's boring. I could get in big trouble for that on television. But it's kind of boring, man. Like Jet Lawrence is so good, and he's just doing Jet Lawrence things. You know, like it's not his fault that he's so much better than these guys, and that he can ride around kind of cruising a bit and still win that's not his fault like he's just doing what he's paid to do and this summer and next year trust me he's going to get all he wants as far as competition so we'll just have to be patient maybe at the triple crowns or excuse me the uh the shoot showdowns see how many times i can screw that up before i get it right maybe we'll see some competition there between you know from his brother and guys like nate thrasher maybe i don't know but Jed is phenomenal. Give him all the credit in the world. Remember, he's still really young. He's still maturing. He's still getting better, which is a little bit scary. Um, and it's not his fault that the guys are all hurt. And, and to start with, he's better than them. But they're all dealing with their own issues, too. Now, just because they're hurt doesn't mean that RJ Hampshire and McAdoo are not absolute warriors. And, no, I don't think they're going to go raid a... Uh, a stronghold in Afghanistan. That's not what I mean. But you, you want to talk about heart and grit and determination. These guys have it, man. They just do. Uh, they're they're dealing with a lot. And they don't, you know, the media makes it out. And, and yes, McAdoo posted pictures of his arm. But the things that they're doing during the week, like it's constant therapy. McAdoo had his, his arm drained four times 
in between Anaheim two and, uh, and Oakland, like this isn't a lot of fun, you know, it's just nonstop physical therapy and they go to the specialists all the time, like literally every day. Same for, uh, for RJ Hampshire. He had a spleen injury. He was, uh, he had internal bleeding. He had a separated shoulder. So he, he just started riding again. And those are serious injuries. You start thinking about like, if you didn't see the pictures of Cameron McAdoo's arm, you're, you're, I don't know if you're missing out or not. Maybe you don't like that type of stuff, but it, it shows you the severity of what he was dealing with. And then think about RJ. Internal bleeding is no joke. Separated shoulder is not life-threatening. I've, I've had it. It's not a lot of fun either. Uh, it's difficult to have any strength in your arm, especially to maintain that strength over long duration of exertion. And uh, yeah, for him to get second was uh, was really impressive. So both of those guys are beat to hell, and they just keep bringing it, right? They were, they were second and third uh, last night, beating guys like Kitchen and, and Pierce Brown and some of these guys that are factory guys, like super talented riders in their own right. So I give RJ and McAdoo a ton of credit, not necessarily on, you know, anything to do with Jet. He's kind of in his own, just his own atmosphere these days. But uh, on the grit side and them showing just kind of their character, uh, I really respect that. So great job to both of those guys. And on a per- just a personal level, um, they have certainly earned my respect. As we do on this show, and, and I hate to kind of glitz over the uh, 250 class so fast, but let's be honest, there wasn't a lot there. There just, there just wasn't. Um, it's funny, like, you know, we have these people in our ear during the television broadcast, and they're just like, they know it's boring, and it's not great for television. They're just like, throw the checkered flag, just let's go, you know, and obviously they're kidding, but um, you just want, you want suspense, and you want excitement, and we weren't, we weren't getting any of that. Um, you know, Jet won by 16 seconds, there just wasn't a lot to kind of talk about there. Well, somebody's fault, that's how racing is sometimes, man, and we had years where it was like that all the time. Think about the Carmichael dominance years. Like, that was the norm. Um, so we're probably a bit spoiled, especially in the 450 class these days with uh, all the parody that goes on. But on this podcast, we go straight to the power rankings. And what the power rankings are is a top 10 list that is fluid throughout the year. And it encompasses a little bit of overall, like last year, this year, a little like a tiny bit of their just career in general will factor in sometimes too. Like if I have, if I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, that could be a part of it. Um, if just somebody's had a rough couple of weeks, but they've had just consistency over years, I'm, I'm going to give them a little bit of uh, a little bit of credit for that. Um, and then I try not to be victim of the moment too much. And what I mean by that is if somebody has just one great ride, I'm not going to completely flip them to the near the top because they had a one-off ride. Like you're going to have to prove it to me a little bit more than that and have some staying power. Uh, but over time, you can certainly move forward. And none of that matters. It, you know, I just want to explain myself because sometimes I do get feedback from people about how do you have this guy here or there? Don't you think they deserve this or that? It's I, I do put some time in it to, into it. I try to make an argument for each side. You know, if, if I put somebody ahead of the other, I try to make a case for why that should go either way. And if then I feel like which argument is stronger, you know, just like if it was uh, in a court of law or something like that, you just try to see which who has a stronger case and then go with it. 
So without further ado, at number 10 is Christian Craig. And he's been hovering around the backside of this list. He was an honorable mention for a while. But I feel like with that ride this weekend, you know, he got into the top 10 in Tampa with a 10th. Then he improves upon that in Oakland with a 7th. And he had been right on the cusp anyway. And then you look at the injuries, and he deserves he deserves to be here. Um, he could find himself in ninth or 8th if he continues this pretty quickly. But I've been hesitant because he ha- he's been underperforming. Like, there's no way you can look at his rides and say that he wasn't underperforming. It's just fair criticism. And I think he would probably agree with that. Um, you know, he's better than a 12th place guy, which is what he was doing the first few rounds of the season. Number nine is... In fact, AC9, Adam Cincerillo, that was not a good ride. I don't know what he was doing. I know he got knocked down by Barsha. I, I get it. But to get 15th, man, you're simply better than that. Like, even if you crash, you know, it was, it was a little crash. It wasn't a big deal. You just have to find a way to fight through that. And I'm sure he probably had some issues that we don't know about, whether it was his arm bothering him, which has been an ongoing thing, or a bike problem. Something had to happen. But all I'm saying is he is better than 15th, and you've got to find a way to persevere in that situation. And I know Adam's tough. I, I, this isn't a personal attack. I just, you know, you want to see more than that. Like 15th is not what he's paid to be, paid to do. There's nothing in his whole aura. I don't even know the right word. Like he's not a 15th place guy. He shouldn't be in 15th unless you just DNF. Just That's just the long and the short of it. Number eight, I have Joe Dog, who is also known as Joey Savacci. And it's his birthday today on Sunday. So happy birthday to Joey. And he's been really solid. You know, is he ready to go win the race? No, but he's not on a factory team. He's not on a factory bike. And I feel like he's been one of the more uh, underreported on feel-good stories of this season because you look at his 250 record, you look at what he's done on factory teams, like he absolutely could make a case for why he should be on a factory team, and he's not. Uh, he's on Rick Ware Racing, and I'm sure they're doing their damnedest to uh, you know, make a go of this thing, but it's not a factory-level effort. It's just there's no way around that. So great job to Joey. Eighth again last night, and uh, I mean, he's beating factory guys week in and week out, so I, I like it. I hope he gets his shot on a factory team. I think he is deserving of it, straight up. No other way to, to say it. He is deserving. Number seven is Ken Roxon, and just after I say the feel-good story is uh, Joey, I think you have to go the other way with Kenny. Uh, I, I wrote in my notes, simply, all I wrote was WTF. Like, he got 11th place. How do you get 11th place if you're Kenny? I, now, I don't know if he fell over or something that I missed, so if he did, I apologize, but he is having all sorts of problems getting comfortable on the motorcycle, trying different things every time he goes out. They're testing at the races, switching suspension companies, switch, switching suspension technicians. There's some crazy stuff going on over there, and I don't know that they're close to figuring this out. Um, what I would say or surmise is that Kenny is just lost right now. He is absolutely lost with where he wants to go with this motorcycle. And he's just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And so far, it's not sticking. Now, if you wanted to counter-argue that, you could say, well, he won the heat race. That was really good. And you'd be right. He did. Uh, But I think the track was pretty good then. And as it got worse, so did he. 
you know, the whatever gremlins he's having with the suspension, they get worse as the track gets worse. And and that's pretty normal. You know, if you have a problem, something you don't like, as conditions deteriorate, that problem amplifies. You know, the, the better the track is, the less you're going to notice that problem because the track's perfect. And it's just like riding down the highway. Well, you start getting bumps and ruts and all sorts of things that might make the motorcycle do weird things. Well, guess what? All the things that you hate, are just going to get a lot worse. Um, and that's that's what happened to Kenny last night. I, I truly believe that whatever he's fighting, he needs a really good racetrack to try to counterbalance that. And, and we had, you know, the arguably the toughest racetrack of the year uh, last night in Oakland. Number six is Justin Barsha. And if I feel like I'm flying through these guys, I apologize. Um, but I'm trying to make this kind of short and sweet, get to the point. Uh, I, I was talking with the television, my producers and the talent coaches, and they're like, you just need to be concise, right? Like, and I feel like I do, I'm probably too concise on television, but they're like, there's not a lot of value in wasted words. So the better and quicker you can make a point and not waste time, you can get to something else and cover that and, and do the same thing. So trying to make that a part of my repertoire. And this is really good practice for that. So Justin Barsha at number six, not bad, not great. Uh, it was okay. I think he's capable more. I would have liked to see him get up there and get around Anderson, uh, but wasn't able to do it. And I think the track is a part of that because, you know, we were talking about this throughout the heat race and the track was its own competitor. You know, normally if the track's really good, these guys want to race each other. And you would see Barsha go up, get aggressive with Anderson. You'd, that, that's normal behavior for those guys. But the track was so difficult that it became a part of the storyline where I tried to explain this to one of the producers is like a normal track. If the track's perfect, like in Anaheim, a normal, dry, hard packed Anaheim, guys can race each other because the track is easy to kind of get around. And they can worry about each other more. So it becomes a, a race amongst competitors. A track like Oakland, you could argue A1 was similar. The guys have to race the track. And that takes a little bit of the focus off of racing each other. And it's just one of the nuances of it. Um, maybe not everyone notices that. But I, certainly I've experienced that in my own racing. It's like, yeah, I can't really think about what so-and-so is doing. Because I'm just trying to put the jumps together here. So instead of trying to get aggressive and find an angle to make a block pass, you're just like, I just got to nail this next rhythm section. I can't take a aggressive line through this corner or else I'm going to screw up the entire next section. So you have to almost ride the line that makes the most sense for the track, not the one that makes the most sense for uh, defensively or offensively against your competitors. So hopefully that makes sense, but that's kind of what I saw from Barsha. Now, excuse me, conversely, he did take down Adam Cincerillo, but that's what Barsha does. Like <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't ask a zebra to change its stripes. So yeah, there's going to be a little bit of that in there. Um, you feel for Cincerillo a little bit, but man, you just have to know when it's Barsha and you're trying to force the issue on the outside, you're going to end up on the ground. And I think Ricky made a good point of that during the broadcast because he said, you just have to check up there when it's, when you don't have the line and it's Justin Barsha. What do you expect to happen? Like, what do you think is going to happen if you force it? Like you, you just try to press through the outside. Guess what? You're going down. That's there's 
not a lot of alternative uh, outcomes there. And uh, sure enough, he was on the ground. Now, I do have another note on Barsha. He, uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, and I have to be careful with this because I do work for a competitor of this. But I was standing down there watching Barsha walk around before the main event. His gear is so tight. I mean, like, airtight. I don't even know how he gets the gear on. And you may not be able to notice that clearly when you're watching on TV. But when he's just standing there and you got five minutes to just really kind of take it all in, it is incredible. Like, I, I seriously don't know how he gets the gear on. It's, it reminds me of, like, those, uh, those models, like women models that get painted. You know, and you'll see they do this artwork where literally they just paint women and they do photo shoots or whatever. That's what Barsha's gear reminds me of. It is insane. And I heard he doesn't necessarily love how tight it is, but that's not for me to really comment on. Uh, it's just, it was like one of my observations for the night. It is mind-blowingly tight. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to whoever helps him get that on because I don't think he's doing it by himself. Like, he probably needs a team of contortionists to probably get that gear onto him. I do want to thank the sponsors again, Pirelli Tires. Uh, they got a win in the LCQ from, uh, who was it, Cade Clayson won the LCQ on Pirelli Tires, so congrats to them. And Pirellis are great, man. Those conditions last night were so conducive to what Pirelli does well. Uh, I, I put their tires in aggressive, like dirt that allows you to be aggressive. I will put Pirellis up against any tires on earth, bar none, period. Um, I've tried them all, and uh, Pirellis are just incredible in, in that dynamic. Pump Creek Funding, they are licensed in California, Colorado, Nevada, Texas, and Florida. Rates are down a little, but we got a spike last week, so uh, we're tr they're trying to fight coming back down. The good news is that prices have come down a little bit, so maybe we'll get a, bit, a little bit of a sweet spot where rates come down and prices have moved down accordingly. Uh, but if you have questions on a refi, questions on buying a new house, please reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding. You can reach him at 720-212-4685. Guts Racing, they are exploding into the e-bike market. They have e-bike seat covers. They will have, and maybe they do. I need to, to double check there. But they have full seats for e-bikes, and that's a huge market. Those of you out there listening to this probably ride e-bikes. It's such a crossover market. Of course, they have all their power sports stuff. Uh you know, they sponsor the Rockstar Husky team and just a great lineup of seat covers and graphics for every make and model. Uh, Guts Racing is just a, a great company, great products, and they're expanding. Like I said, the e-bike thing is, is really big for them and brand new. Fast Foundry, I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care what your opinion is. Uh, things are looking a little bleak for 2023 as far as the economy goes. Um, I shouldn't say I don't care what your opinion is. That's my opinion. If you turn on CNBC or Bloomberg for a while, you're going to get a lot of arguing and bickering about that take. But it's what I believe. It's what I am observing. It's what I see in the power sports market. It's what I see in the real world. Listen, all these companies aren't laying people off because they want to. Like, it, that's not fun. You're literally putting people out of work. And it's easy when you hear layoffs, you don't think about the real life ramifications. People are getting fired in that dynamic like they don't they go to work and they come home and don't have a job right it's it's real life heartache and that's going on quite a bit out there uh so a company like fast foundry can help you make be the most prepared possible for any sort of downturn i believe their best asset is efficiency 
yes, they can do virtual events. Yes, they can help you with real life events. Uh, they can help you with accounting. But to me, I think business efficiency is such an underrated aspect of, you know, I, I run a bunch of businesses. This podcast is its own business. And being the most efficient possible, finding ways to invest and deploy capital is what everybody is focusing on out there in 2023, the, the most, uh, the smartest spend possible, getting the most out of your money. And I think Fast Foundry can really help you with that. Work Connection, got to speak with Eric this week and uh, just such a great company, man. They have those uh, those Yamaha foot peg mounts that have really improved the triangle. Chris Kiefer tested and developed those and I've heard great things about them. Also, don't forget about that Pro Arm Start device. Now, I don't need a lot more proof than just to tell you who uses it. Jet Lawrence uses it. Chase Sexton uses it. Eli Tomac uses it. Justin Cooper uses it. The Star, all the Star 250 guys use it. You just go down the list and all the guys at whole shot, they all use it. What more evidence than do you need than that? They've been around forever since the early nineties, just core moto company, ton of great products. And there's a uh, updated promo code there. It's JT 23. So if you're going to buy something from works connection, use that promo code JT 23 at checkout. And that should save you, I believe it's 20%. So that's a really good deal. International Vet MX Series, uh, formerly known as the Old Timer Motocross Series. They have that first event coming up. First rounds at Sandy Valley, first weekend of April. And this is just a great time. If you like lots of track time, you like a lot of motos, you like just a fun weekend of hanging out with whether it's your family, whether it's your buddies, this is just a cool event. You know, they have a ton of vintage racing going on. And it's obviously geared more towards the – let's say middle-aged and senior riders, you know, it's the vet MX series makes a lot of sense, but I think there's just such a need for this because I've been going to local races my whole life, right? We all grew up doing that. Well, let's say all of us, a lot of us, right? And you don't get a ton of track time. Like you'll be at, you'll be at the motocross track from 6.30 AM until dark. And maybe you get 10 laps. Well, this international vet MX series, you get five motos over the course of a weekend. So you get a ton of track time. And they really make the most of the weekend. They'll have live music. They'll have really fun activities going on. So it, it can be like an actual weekend instead of just a day at the racetrack. And I think that's what it's all about is, is I noticed that in my own personal life is like people ask me, how was your weekend? I'm like, what weekend? Like I was on airplanes and at the race working and then I was on an airplane and then I'm back at the office. Right. And those are choices I make. So I don't have anybody to complain to, but I think if you can incorporate a day at the races or a weekend at the races with a ton of weekend fun, that's ideal. And that's what International Vet MX Series is all about. TL Speed Shop is a side-by-side adventure company based in Wickenburg, Arizona. Jason Cobb and his family and crew operate this, and they, they can custom tailor to what you want. They have a lot of things already set, right? So if you want to go to Sedona or Baja or Grand Canyon, but those are all dialed in, like they have just plug and play. But I think if you call them and said, Hey, I'm really interested in doing something like this. I have a really strong feeling they could custom tailor that for you. So it's just a great opportunity for a vacation, a corporate event, maybe a family getaway, something different where you can actually be active. You can get out in the desert and just rip these side-by-sides that are all decked out. And if you know anything about side-by-side, you're talking about 30, 40, 50 grand for these things that are you know, tuned to the level that TL Speed Shop has. You can skip all that investment, fly in. They have everything set up for you. 
and you just go haul ass across the desert for a few days and, and get to enjoy some really great activities, whatever your destination, you know, whatever the uh, destination getaway might be. So really cool deal there. TLSpeedShop.com, you can learn more. Pro Glow Wash, Ryan Humphrey and the Pro Action Fluids team, I get to see him next weekend in Arlington. Pro Glow Wash is a power sports formulated wash. And I always kind of wonder, like, why do people just go buy something at the grocery store to wash their bike with? Like, that's not made for what you're dealing with. It's not made to get chain lube off. It's not made to get some dirt off at the local track that you ride that was probably has all kinds of weirdo chemicals in the dirt. And, you know, I used to ride at this track called Bithlow in Florida, and it was like the blackest, nastiest dirt. Maybe you live in the Carolinas and you have that bright orange dirt that stains everything. Tracks like that you want to use something like pro glow wash that's going to get that stuff out because it's built for that that's what it has that in mind versus like something off the counter in a store that they don't even know what dirt bikes are right and on top of that you want to be supporting these moto companies right moto is so great about that is supporting each other and understanding that we're kind of all in this thing together so check out pro glow wash great company and great people grandstone boots i have their brand new sneakers coming. And I, I couldn't believe it. I got an email just randomly. I didn't even know this was happening. Got an email from Grandstone Boots on Tuesday, I think, with this launch of four new sneakers. And I didn't even know they were making them. I had no idea this was in the works. And then it just gets dropped on me. So I was over the moon excited. And I'm like, I get, you know, they take such good care of me. I was like hesitant to ask. I'm like, eh, I really want these. But man, you do so much for me already. Like I am I feel terrible even asking. He's like, nope, they're on the way. And I'm just like, you, all right. I, you know, like I had so much thanks to them, but they keep me looking really sharp. And these sneakers, I'm going to post a picture of them when I get them this week. They are awesome looking. And if, you know, they're not like Nikes, they're more like, like a Cole Haan type shoe, if that makes sense. Um, but they're phenomenal. I, I really like that for wearing with like jeans. I can wear them at the races. Um, just a really, really nice product that Grandstone Boots has come out with. And they're, they're expanding, right? It's new products. They have a, a women's boot now. They have these new sneakers. Um, it's just a, a really, really great product line that, uh, that Grandstone's putting out. And last but not least, I have to always mention them, my daily driver, Spy Racing. And, uh, yeah, we have really cool products that we had the LE Stealth gear come out last weekend in Tampa. We have our mesh gear coming out at Daytona in two weeks, so keep an eye out on that. Thank you to everybody who listens to those commercials. I know it's not your favorite part. I know it's spam or whatever, but it is important important part of these things. And I'm trying to educate some of you and also save you some money. Like these discount codes will truly save you some money on things you're probably going to buy anyway. So let's jump into the last five here. At number five is Aaron Plessinger. And I was on a, a plane with him this morning and I really like the trajectory he's on. He's getting better. You can see it. You know, he got that podium uh, at Tampa. Now, I don't think he's on the level of Tomac and Sexton right now. I think that's fair to say. You know, we, you know, what? I have to qualify it because he beat Tomac at Tampa. But week in and week out, he's not as consistently fast as those guys. And that's a fair statement to make, I believe. But he is getting better. And he's in a contract year, so he needs to make it happen. I don't know that he's going to stay at KTM, though, because you look at their team – they're going to bring in Sexton. They're going to probably bring Webb back. Maybe he's, he gets a deal, a third ride, third spot, and Marvin goes away. I don't, I don't know. Like, there are some hard decisions that have to be made there. 
Or maybe someone else is looking at picking him up. Maybe Honda wants to take a, a run at him to put him alongside uh, Jet Lawrence. I, d- I don't know, right? I, I do think he's going to be on a factory bike, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to put some feelers out and kind of see where he's at because I think that's an interesting storyline. And if you look across the gamut, there are a ton of guys available for uh, for 2024. It's it's a really, really wide open contract here for a lot of guys. I need to do a little special podcast on just that dynamic in itself of silly season and kind of how I see that playing out because there's a lot of different ways this thing can go. Number four is Jason Anderson and he crashed, but I I thought he would be better. I really did. Uh, a lot of people picked him to win. Weege picked him to win. Brayton picked him to win. Uh, I didn't think he would win, but I thought he would be on the podium at the end of the night and it just didn't go that way. So I don't think he was thrilled with the fifth, but um, yeah, he's hanging around. He's just giving away a bunch of points, right? And if he wants to be champion, if he wants to take this thing late into the series, he's not not going down the right path. You can't give away points to these guys week in and week out and then expect them to make a big mistake that gives you a ton back. They just don't do that. Number three is Cooper Webb. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention on Anderson, Cowie's not thrilled, right? And, and I don't know if they showed that interview with Dan Fahey or not. I think they did. They're not happy with Jason Anderson's antics, the aggressive riding. They don't like any of this stuff. This is not what they're in the business to do. They want to be looked at as looked on favorably by fans, by the AMA, by Feld, by everybody. And when you have a rider that's on probation, that's the opposite of that. So I thought it was interesting for them to be vocal about it. Normally, they would have that conversation behind closed doors. But for them to come out and say publicly that they're not happy, I thought spoke volumes. And it's something that Jason Anderson should probably heed uh, because he's in a contract year too. And I think he wants to stay there. And maybe it's not enough to deter them from offering him a contract, but it certainly affects your your value. Think about it. In, you know, like if, if someone loves you, a team loves you, and they're just so happy with the way things are going to have you, and you're asking for a million, which is throughout round numbers. It's probably something like that, you know, 600, 800, a million, whatever. It's in that range. You're asking for a million and Cowie's thinking more like 600 and they love you. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to get closer to that million than you are 600. That's just common sense. That's logic. That's willingness to flex. Like they have, they have budgets, you know, that they're not locked in, you know, maybe they have a hard number. They just absolutely can't go over. But it's not six six hundred thousand and one dollar, right? If they really like the guy, they know they need him, and he's like, "I'm not going below seven fifty, and they're like, "Want to really stick at six hundred? Guess what? They're going to go to seven fifty because they want to. They like him. When you piss off your team and you give them reasons to be upset, it hardens their resolve, and that's probably the best way I can put it. So they're just not going to bend. They're going to be like, "Nope." It's 600. If you don't, if you want to be here, take it. And I'm not saying that's what's happening because I don't know. I'm just saying that's how these things are affected and real life cause and effect of your team being mad at you is in contract negotiations because let's face it. He's good enough. He's going to get a deal somewhere. He's going to be on a factory team. That's just factual, but it can be really important. You know, the dollars and cents of it, can really be affected by something like this. So let's see if he can uh, remedy that and uh, kind of clear the air 
And all he has to do is just stay out of trouble for a while. And this, this will clear up. That's it. Just stay out of trouble. Don't knock anybody down. And Cali will forgive and forget. And, and wife will go on. Number three is Cooper Webb. And he's just hanging around here, man. And I promise you that these other guys, Tomac, Sexton, whoever, don't, especially Tomac, they don't want him hanging around. You want to get a big points gap on him to where he's desperate late in the year. You don't want him getting late in the series with a few rounds left going, yeah, I just need to win a few and we got this, right? Or he's really charged up with like life to win the title. You do not want, he's so mentally tough. He has so much grit late in the year. He doesn't, he doesn't fold. He doesn't crack, you know, however you want to phrase it. It's not the guy you want to deal with late in a championship. It's just not. And I, I have no way to prove it, but I would bet my bottom dollar that if you ask Eli Tomac, who do you want to deal with the last couple of rounds? If you're tied, do you want to deal with Webb? Or do you want to deal with Sexton? He's going to tell you Sexton because of the mental game. When the pressure gets ramped up, he doesn't want to deal with Webb because Webb can handle it. Webb, it, it, I think, brings out the best in Webb, where I think it brings out the worst in Sexton. So just something that I think Tomac, you know, he gained three more points, barely, on him last night. But he wants to extend that lead. He wants to go into the final few rounds with double digits. That's, you know, at minimum, double digits uh, just to take some of that pressure off. Number two, Chase Sexton. Oh, what do you even say? I mean, I interviewed him on the podium, and, well, Christian's funny. She comes up to me right after and is like, good luck. You get Sexton. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, this will be uh, really uplifting. This should be a great time. Um, but I did want to ask him, I didn't want to ask him about, you know, you crashed again. How does it feel? You know, it's, it's just lazy in my opinion. Um, but I know he's been battling this front end grip thing a little bit. You saw the crash at, uh, at Tampa, the front end was kind of hopping around in those, you know, in the V of those whoops. You saw when he landed, uh, this weekend when he crashed, the front went away and he just like kind of flew sideways through the air. If you think about his crash at San Diego in the whoops, it was the exact same thing where he does this front gets away and he flies through the air sideways and lands sideways. The same thing's happening over and over. And I don't know why I'm not a, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a suspension technician, uh, but I know that's what they're fighting. Uh, so I was trying to dig into that a little bit. I barely have any time, right? It, that's a, I think a long winded question. And I don't know how much he would be willing to share anyway, but that's kind of what I was trying to get at is give us a little bit there. Like tell us, um, what you're dealing with. And if it's not this mental breakdown you're having, which it probably is a little bit, I, I think that's fair. Like we have to think it is. If you're crashing, what's causing the crash? If it's this front end thing, why do you think that it's happening and what can you do to adjust it? Cause I think Ricky Carmichael made some great points yesterday off air. Um, I think it was off air, but he was kind of talking about like, if you know that you have low traction, in a certain scenario or a the way a track is set up or like you go into corners. I think he was talking about Savachi and like you go into a corner and the front end's pushing with the way your setup is. You have to be mindful of that and you have to expect it and know it's coming and be prepared for it. Like you can't just go in there like gangbusters and expect it to hold when you know it's not going to. 
And I would think that's transferable, like that messaging is transferable to Sexton. If you know you have this problem, you better be ready for it. And you can't just turn a blind eye to it and pretend that it's not going to happen. Otherwise, you end up on your head, just like he did again in Oakland. So uh, a lot there. The last thing I would say on Sexton is I just hope someone is in his corner with encouragement. I know there's a ton of people that are harping on this and giving him a lot of grief. But someone, I hope, over there is like, hey, man, listen, you're young, you're rich, you're famous, you're super talented, and everybody wants you on their team and wearing their stuff and affiliated with you. Everybody. So don't let this get you down, right? Things are going really well. And no matter how bad you feel inside about crashing again, things are not that bad. It's really not. Um, I, I, that's the number one thing I would be preaching to him. If I had any influence is like, listen, dude, your life's pretty damn great. And things are not as bad as they probably feel. And there's something to be said with that, right? It's anytime you think things are going really great, they're probably not as great as you think. And when things are going really bad, they're probably not as bad as you really think either, right? It's typically somewhere a little bit more in the middle and keeping that even keel is really important. You know, it's like a quarterback. Not too high, not too low, right? And even though you just felt like you let everybody down, you still got third, dude. You let half the race and you still got third. And you checked out on everybody before that. So look for the silver lining. Look for the positives. You're a millionaire. You're like 23. Uh, things are things are pretty good. Um, so just uh, take a deep breath and realize that pretty much everybody out there, other than maybe Tomac or Webb or somebody, would trade spots with you and your life in a heartbeat. Um, and just take some solace in that and take a deep breath and, uh, yeah, come back fighting. And remember, you won the last Triple Crown, so you're going back to a Triple Crown in Arlington this weekend. Last one, number one, Eli Tomac. Got a little bit of a gift. I think we have to admit that, right? He wasn't going to win otherwise. He, I think he had already settled, but he was much better than, um, than he was before. So, or excuse me, in Tampa. So I, a good bounce-back ride. I think he was the second-best guy. But, um, yeah, you can't crash if you're sexing. You know, it's, the race is 21 minutes long, and Tomac was the fastest guy for 21 minutes. So good job for Tomac. He extends his points lead. And, uh, I mean, we have a great series here, it's not, so it's not like he's checked out on anybody. But I thought that was a really good ride for him to bounce back mentally and get the ship kind of back on track. The last couple guys I want to mention before we uh, end this podcast are Justin Cooper. I mean, he's gone 7 7 10 in this little fill-in deal here or whatever this is, trial run. So great job from him. He's been really impressive. Colt Nichols, he seems to ride these beat-up tracks better. You think about his A1 ride where he got sixth. He gets ninth here in Oakland. So uh, good job from him putting him back inside the top ten. And then Dino is like the caboose on these elite factory dudes. He gets twelfth. Um, he ran eighth most of the race in Tampa. He was really struggling with a few sections of the racetrack. It was really beat up and uh, crashed in the heat. So not his best night, but a 12th is nothing to uh, to sneeze at. Um, but he's hanging in there, man. I think he's just trying to put one foot in front of the other and, and find a way to crack that top 10. So good job from all of them. Not didn't set the world on fire, but I think their rides were notable and uh, wanted to, to uh, riff on them a little bit. So that's it for this week. Next week is Arlington, Triple Crown. AT&T Stadium uh, should be exciting. We're back to the East Coast, so we'll get uh, – I, I just think the East Coast has a lot more to offer right now, so that'll be good. And, uh, again, apologies last week for missing an episode, but I hope you enjoyed this week, and we will talk to you soon. See you.